0: A lot of people on the internet give data analytics career advice, but very few are as qualified as my guest today, Jesse Morris. Jesse has been the data space in leadership roles for a long time. He's been in the trenches doing the data work himself, and he's also built out and managed data teams. In this episode of the Data Career Podcast, he will tell us what he has learned and what knowledge he would give you as an aspiring data professional after interviewing over 300 data analyst candidates and hiring over 30. I'll tell you the three ways that you can stand out, why typically he hires a data analyst first before any other roles, and much more. So let's go ahead and hop into this episode. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. All right, what's up, you guys? Before we get into this episode, I first have to thank you guys for always following, hitting subscribe, and rating the show when you can. We're up to 125 reviews on the Spotify app. We need, I think, 69 more to catch data camps, podcast data frames, I think that'd be pretty cool to catch them and become the most rated podcast on Spotify. That would mean a whole lot to me. So if you guys can go ahead and just take five seconds and leave a review or a rating, whether you're on Spotify or Apple podcasts, that would mean the world to me. Also, I want to apologize for those who are watching video, if you're on YouTube or maybe you're watching on Spotify video. If you guys didn't know, I do video for all of the podcasts that we do that ends up going to YouTube. So if you prefer the video medium, you can check me out at Avery Smith Data. You can find me on YouTube and watch the episodes that way. Or if you're in the Spotify app, you can actually watch the video there as well. The first five minutes or so, uh, I was using the wrong camera for this, I had some technical difficulties, but after that it switches to the right camera. Audio is all good, so you guys don't have to worry about that at all, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up for those who are watching the video. With that being said, I think you're going to love this episode. I really vibed with Jesse. I felt like we could talk for the rest of the day. To be honest, the conversation really flowed. Very cool guy, definitely want to check out his LinkedIn profile in the show notes down below. But this kind of is part of the series, unofficial series that I've been doing, where I've been interviewing data managers hiring managers, recruiters recently, and hopefully it's giving you a better glimpse of what it actually takes to get hired as a data analyst. Now, the other manager that we did, Megan McGuire, you guys can go check out her episode. It was a couple back. She said some similar things, and I just hope that you guys take it to heart. That's like the most skilled person does not land the job. That's not always a guarantee. So if you were like, ah, I can't get a job, it might not be because you're not the most skilled. It might be because you need to work on selling yourself. You might need to work on your communication. You might want to work on your passion because they're not hiring the most skilled data analysts every single time. They want people who have passion, who can work in teams, who can communicate so I hope that gets you excited and you feel confident. That's one of my goals of this podcast is to help you feel more confident in your data journey. I hope this episode does so. So let's go ahead and talk to my guest, Jesse Morris. Our guest today is Jesse Morris. I'm calling him the man who's interviewed 300 data analysts. Jesse has lots of experience on his resume from all over in the data world, lots of different companies. I went to his LinkedIn and there was like 16 different places of experience, all related to data. So he has a lot of data experience. His most recent role is a Senior Vice President of Revenue Operations on Solve, which was something that was really exciting to talk to Jesse about when we talked before this call. So Jesse, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. Great to be here with all you guys.
0: So I was looking at your LinkedIn experience and you obviously have so much experience on this resume of yours. A lot of these roles, I'll just read some of these roles for the audience. We have the director of analytics and business operations you've been a founder you've written a book you've been a financial planner and analyst you've been a data analyst like you've had so many different titles and in those positions you've had the chance to interview and hire a lot of data analysts so i know when we talked originally you thought maybe the ballpark was interviewing 300 analysts is that still kind of what you're thinking yeah i think it's been around 300 and probably hired
1: about 30 analysts in my career so
0: That's a lot. That's a lot more than me and a lot more than most people, I think. And so today I want to dive in with Jesse and kind of talk through, you know, when he's interviewing these 300 analysts, you know, what's been going through his mind. So first off, I'll start off with these roles that you're hiring. Like, if I know it's hard to remember all these different roles, but how many of them would you say were pure data analysts? How many of them were like business intelligence engineers? Tell us a little bit more about the titles that you've hired for in your career.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, most of my roles have been building my most, my current role right now, I actually inherited most of the team, but uh, prior to that, a lot of mine has been building out data teams for companies. And so the progression I normally hire for when I'm building out a data team is I generally hire an analyst first and my first 30 days and then interestingly enough a data engineer is typically my first 60 to 90 days and then after that i'll follow it up with another one or two analysts and then maybe a year maybe two in, depending on how well and advanced we are on the data side i'm hiring a data scientist at that point point. and so those are generally the main roles on the data side i also obviously i lead revenue operations so i also hire a bunch of business and systems analysts as well which I I do think there's a a difference there, but, but all obviously all have similar skill sets, but slightly different areas of focus.
0: Okay. That's super interesting because, you know, a lot of people probably would hire, like would want to hire like a data scientist beforehand or something like that. So can you tell us why you want to start with the analyst role?
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, data, it's one of those things that's it's, it sounds great to a lot of companies that are like, oh, we want data. The reality is especially when building is you don't typically find good data when you start but at the same time you've got to establish value quickly because at the end of the day you know a lot of times a lot of my roles you know I've actually pitched I pitched my role there was no job posted there was no nothing I actually went to like CEOs and leaders of companies and I said hey I love data here's what I'm passionate about do you guys need what I do and so that's actually I think two out of my of my data roles, that's actually how I got them was like, there was literally no job post that I just wrote a business case for it. And so part of that is, you know, they're committing to me, Hey, I'm going to give you a budget to build this thing out. I'm committing to them. I'm going to start showing you value as quickly as possible. And so the, the idea here early on is how do we get, you know, Excel's our best friend as an analyst by a long shot, especially when you're starting off. And so it really is about getting those quick wins early on, trying to build the rapport, build the trust which in turn, you know, is how you get more funds and more confidence. And I think a lot of it too is fact-finding. Like, you know, you think about when you're trying to build data infrastructure out, you have to actually know the business pretty well. And so it takes some time to ramp. And so I want to get an analyst in as soon as possible to try to get them ramped, similar to me, so we can go out and really support the organization. But really, I would say it's mostly around value and learning uh, and going from there.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, it's really cool because really at the end of the day, you as a data analyst, you're making the biggest impact on the business the quickest, right? It's like the fastest ROI, the fastest return on investment is a data analyst because the data analyst is gonna tell you, hey, our data actually kind of sucks. Hey, you know, we don't have that much data or hey, this is the data we do have. You know, these are some quick insights that I found, you know, let's run with these. Let's see what we can, you know, what we can generate value-wise for these. So I think it's pretty telling that you'd prefer to hire a data analyst at first Like that's really important. I think all these people who want to become data analysts should be pretty proud of that. Right?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, ultimately, you know, all all roles have value in the data team, they're super important, but an analyst really is that booster shot for lack of a better word. You know, I think the combination of, of working together and and again, ultimately, you know, it's not data for the sake of data. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned in my career is, you know, I, I can geek out on data. Most of us on this probably can geek out on data for hours. Those in the business, you know, they do want to see value and and ultimately you might spend days and find a hundred data points that are super fascinating, but they might only care about two of those. And I think that's really where analysts can really shine and stand out and make impacts really early on is like, what is the most pertinent, most important information that has the highest value to the company today that ultimately maybe leads to even more value on down the line.
0: Yeah, and that's a phrase that you actually used when we are when we talked on the phone originally as well, as not doing data for data's sake. And it's something I'm a huge fan of because especially when we're practicing and we're doing these projects and we're getting into things, sometimes it can feel like we're doing data for data's sake. They're like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna make a Tableau dashboard. Well, why? Because I want to show it off. But you need to be in the mindset of no, we're actually every time we do data, we're doing it to drive value. We're trying to generate some sort of, you know, whatever is important in our business, whether that's You know, whether that's money, whether that's sustainability, whether that's happiness, like whatever it is, like we're trying to do data analytics to solve and generate information. And that's one thing I really like about your experience section. Like right now, you're a data person, but your title is senior vice president revenue operations, right? Like, you know, you've done technology systems in the past, like some of your roles, director of sales compensation, those don't like scream the word data to me. They don't use the word data in them. They don't use the word analyst in them. But I think your whole point here is, what you've been able to do in your career, is how do I use data to run businesses, right? Is that true?
1: I think it's exactly it. I mean, ultimately, the move, for me at least, from kind of, I would say, you know, leading analytics and business intelligence teams are really, like that was, was actually a very strategic move on my part to move more into revenue operations, was because again, I really wanted to tie value to insights. I think those two things are directly related and in the system side of it, the reality is that is your data. I mean, the reality is good business process, good systems design is what gives us on the analysis side good data to ins- you know, ultimately drive insights. And so, to me, it was the ability to, to, to honestly control the data input, which in turn allows you know the driving of the output. Because I mean, even today, you know, my title—I I do a lot of leadership stuff. I spend a lot of time with board and leadership teams of companies, but. You know, a lot of my time I still spend is doing data. I mean, I spent last week, I built two two models last week. So I'm oh, still, wow. you know, I still get to be in it, which I love. I like still being able to geek out and do some of these more technical things. So that doesn't like because I've moved in more leadership roles, I've left that behind. I actually think there are certain projects that I, I just happen to know more now. And so I've been able to leverage that time and experience and perspective. That's the big thing I always like to talk about is perspective and data is everything. And so understanding perspective. What that really means is who's asking the question, who is the audience for this, and what do they care about ultimately? And so I think for me, it's really been the ability to kind of marry all those together. But to be quite frank, data's at the center of it all.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. I, lo- I love that perspective from you. And I think it's one that's not talked about enough in an in industry. So, okay, we're doing data for you know value sake. We want to hire a data analyst. So in the past, when you've hired data analysts, would you say most of them were kind of... Entry level or maybe like mid-level or senior level? What was the breakdown of those hires? Yeah, I think early on,
1: it was more around all over the board. I would say these days, I tend to mostly lean towards hiring senior data analysts, especially at the beginning, because ultimately, like I, I work. so, And I think that really matters is what size of industry you work in. So my company, we're a 400 employee company. So we're a mid-level SaaS soft, software as a service company. And so that's generally my sweet spot. Um, for size. And so that's important, because I think the the larger the company is, the more mix you're going to have between junior, mid and senior, because you've got the ability to kind of, I'll call it mentor people up. And so my data team even today is pretty small. Like I've got two data analysts that are working directly with me on a day to day basis. And so it's really just me and two data analysts for the whole company, you know, that are driving data for that. And so I, I expect these days a little bit higher level of expertise within it. You know, at this point though, let's say next year I go to hire another analyst, that's when I would start looking actually at hiring more of a junior or mid-level, because then I've got my two senior people that can actually then mentor and help grow that. You know, part of the challenge is time, right? And so for me, I don't have the time capacity today to mentor as much as I used to early on, but that's where your senior data analysts are phenomenal is you can get them really established, you hire really great people, they can really move that up, and so... You know at this point in my career i've been more focused on that earlier on i used to hire honestly you know pretty junior individuals and i had some great successes with it it takes more time to ramp and get people up to speed but you know i think that's really where you know as you talk if you think about like what are the attributes you look for an analyst in you know technical chops is a piece of that it's actually not the most important one and i think that's what i'm always looking for is like those really key skill sets behind it and so to me it's more about like phase size of company, and also for me as a leader, how much capacity do I have to maybe pour into you know, an analyst going forward?
0: No, I think that's a really good point. It does depend on how large the company is, right? Because like you said, you build out a lot of data teams. If you're building out a lot of data teams, especially at a company that maybe hasn't had a data team because they haven't necessarily felt the need or believed in it, you're pressured to get a return on your investment quickly so that you have validity to your team. And so you probably don't want to be hiring someone entry level for that position because they're not going to get the results as quickly as someone who has experience so that makes sense of like now as smaller companies you're probably focused more on the senior roles especially when you're building out those teams and maybe if it's a small company that only does like consulting for example and all 400 people are data analysts then they have those mentors available that that does make sense exactly. when you mentioned earlier in your career you have you know worked with some entry-level data analysts and a lot of people who are listening to this our entry-level analyst, you know, hoping for companies like you, when you've hired some of those entry-level people, what stood out the most to you in those hiring processes?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, if you take anything from today's conversation, I think it's around this. And, you know, again, I think it gets lost. You've got to be the most technical in the room or, you know, your ability to build a dashboard and make it a work of art, you know, that's like the most important I actually don't think that's the case. And I actually think Avery, you and I talked about this, about like how a lot of teachers make great analysts. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Cause ultimately, when I think when it boils down to it, really it's it's a couple of key things. One, it's the ability to tell stories and be succinct. And that is not that's not just a data skill set. That's a life skill set. Yeah. You know, if you look, actually, my original background is in sales. Like I actually, I should say my second job, my first job was I was a data analyst and then I realized I needed to get presentation skills and the ability to tell stories. So I went into sales for a few years. And so I think, you know, that skill set, the ability, but, but I think you can get that in a myriad of ways. You could be a great writer. You could, there's, there's so many different ways you could get that skill set, but I think that's such a big one, especially, you know, a lot of my time is spent communicating, to executives and to leadership teams and to boards. Like I spend a lot of time telling stories to the board. And that's really key is that ability to kind of boil things down into here's the most important, and then you can work back. Ultimately, like people, when they get curious about data, that's when they start asking kind of your next layer of questions. And you you can make that, you can bring that curiosity to life through storytelling. The other one, which is probably a little bit uh, less common you want here, but this is something that just continues to even today, even with senior analysts, it doesn't matter what level of analyst you are, but tenacity and mental toughness. Wow. So that's a really funny one. Uh, tenacity to me, like in my world, I work in these smaller I'll call startup type uh, technology companies. And so we're moving at really fast pace. But we don't get weeks to work on projects. So if you work in any large corporate companies, you're going to get that. And that's okay. I think ultimately it's good to know like what, are, what type of environment you're in. And so if you don't work necessarily well under pressure and some of these things I'm about to talk about, that's okay, then you're probably maybe better designed to work at larger companies where you're given the freedom to like sit down and work on things for weeks. The, the, the environment I work in, we're not given that time. And so the ability to you know, change prioritization on a dime to juggle nine different projects at once. And if you talk to my data analyst today, like this is the reality. Like we, this week we came into the week with a plan and by Monday afternoon, you know, it's Monday morning during our stand-up. And by Monday afternoon, that plan got halfway derailed, right? And so it's a reprioritization game. And that's not for everybody. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, that's a tough thing to wrap your head around and not get frustrated. And And I, I think you and I talked about this before, but it's that, like, knowledge of I understand what perfect looks like or really phenomenal looks like, but I also understand what good enough is. And I think that skill set that's a really important one. And that's not like, you know, I'm going to learn this by watching X, Y, and Z. I think that's something that you actually have to work towards and and build up that that mental toughness. I actually think failure, you know, it's easy to look at a resume and be like, oh, all this stuff went great. I was a founder, you know, at a tech company. Good for me. I also failed at that tech company. Right. I learned a lot of things through trial and error And that I think it's the same for all of us. And so those would be some of the things I think that really stand out to me when you boil it down to like some of the key pieces behind it. It's an attitude, right? Like it's that willingness to say, Hey, I messed up here and that's okay. Like, cool. what did you learn from it? How do we make it better? How can I help? But I think, you know, those are ultimately some of the, when you boil it down, some of the things that I look for, no matter what stage you're at within it. And then I think, you know, on the, specifically on the starting out analyst in particular, you know, I think just, a, again, perspective is an interesting one, but did you have a sales background or did you work for, I mean, maybe you're working in retail. Did you work for banana Republic during college uh, where you were like all of those things, perspective and data is everything. And what I mean by that is like your ability to speak into it from the person who's asking the question or the departments or the leaders that are asking the questions, because as long as you've got just that various perspective, that actually has a lot more value. I think sometimes than the technical even does.
0: Yeah. And I hope people just heard what you said, because I think that's very impactful you know, just to kind of rehash some of it. It's not necessarily how technical you are that lands you the job. Because I think you said this phrase when we first originally talked, that the technical stuff is kind of expected. That's like you you have it or you kind of don't, right? And it's really your storytelling, your grit, your attitude that separates you. Which I think for all of you guys listening who want to be aspiring data analysts, that should be really rewarding. Because you can have grit, you can be, you know, you can be authentic, you can try hard, you can have passion, you can become a good, you know, storyteller. Those aren't like necessarily like you have to be spending 25 years of your life in SQL to know how to master everything, right? That's really, in my opinion, enlightening and refreshing to hear because it, it can't be like, I think most people take the data career job hunt way too skill heavy. Of course, skills are important, right? but like they're not everything. And I think you kind of just said that basically, they're not everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the thing that if if I look at my interviews I've had even this year, you know, again, technical is either expected or I also know that, like, I'll give you an example. We use Alteryx a lot today at my current company, and that's partly because I'm a huge Alteryx fan. I don't work in SQL as much. I like the visual nature of Alteryx. I know that somebody who knows SQL can learn Alteryx or somebody who's phenomenal Excel can learn Alteryx. And so I hired an analyst this year who didn't know Alteryx. Like, that's a really pivotal tool for us. But I was willing to forego like this, Hey, you got to have this technical expertise in this area because I knew they could learn it. Like that's something they can learn. The things that are a lot, much harder to, to teach um, when you're trying to get ramped up quick are some of these other areas we've talked about. And so I, I do think like, yeah, I think you're totally right. Everybody puts so much emphasis on the technical, not minimizing it. There's definitely importance there, but it's not everything. And, and ultimately it's not what stands out and gets you. It might help you get the interview. It's not how it's going to get you the job.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really good example. Out of curiosity on that job hiring, I don't know if you if you knew this or if you even remember, but what do you think that job description said in terms of Alteryx? Did it say like has to have Alteryx required or did it not say that?
1: No, it, it actually, I, I very remember very specifically what it said, because I actually wrote it, but it, it said you either had to have two years of SQL or Alteryx experience, Alteryx preferred. And so that's for a senior role. Like I, again, I think a lot of people out there would have written a lot more SQL experience, for example, for a senior role. And you think I only wrote two years into that. And that just shows you like how much, again, I don't index. Technical is important, but I don't index there. That's not the main thing. Again, it's these other things we've talked about. That is the piece that, man, it just, it's hard to find people that can do that ultimately.
0: Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think that was a great bullet point on the job description. I don't think Other people are maybe as careful as you were in that process. And I think a lot of the times the people who ultimately make the hiring decisions are not necessarily the ones writing those, right? Those job descriptions and stuff like that. So sometimes I think there are people like you that make hiring decisions That are like, yeah, we're gonna use Alteryx in this job, but like, you can figure it out. It's not too hard to learn. But sometimes I think there's job descriptions that get written for those managers, whether it's just a recruiter or maybe it's policy. I don't know what it is, but they'll say, like, you need 25 years of Alteryx experience. And I I just think sometimes that even though it says that, just try because you'll never know. Like, obviously, you need to have at least, you can't just like have zero SQL experience and zero Alteryx experience. Like, you have to know one of them, you have to like be comfortable with working with one of them. But I think sometimes people are, are so afraid to apply to jobs. They reject themselves before letting the hiring manager reject them.
1: I think that's really valid. And if you look at my resume, my background, I don't meet the requirements mm. for a lot of things that I'm hiring for. And that should be a testament to, again, I don't think to your point, I, I would never qualify for certain companies uh, as even a senior data analyst today. Right, and so that's that, but that's okay with me because again, I I've narrowed my market, the area that I like to play in, the things that I really care about, that I value. Uh, so I think it again, it depends. Obviously, the more, the larger the company, the more corporate uh, rules they're going to have to abide by. Right, they're going to have levels and things like that, and so their their job descriptions are probably going to be required to be a little bit more um, forced into certain things. But I do think like, you know, take note of that. If you look on LinkedIn at my profile, like. I didn't necessarily have all the years of experience it took to be in the role. And I think that's something important to note is again, it's not, you know, it it ultimately is not always about those technical things. Again, they're important. You've got to have the ability, but I was able, and in a couple of roles, like I didn't technically qualify for, I still applied and I literally like networked my way through it using LinkedIn mostly. And then whenever it came down to like, Hey, it was always a concern. You don't have a lot of technical skill sets here, I don't see five years of SQL. That's our minimum. Why do you think you can do the job? And I had a way to actually show, here's the value I bring. You know. So again, it's just, oh, it's like sales 101. It's overcoming objections and how you do it. And, and ultimately, again, you know, what are they trying to get out of the role? What's the pain point they're solving for? That's really what you're trying to help solve when you're getting hired for a role more than necessarily the other components within it.
0: Yeah. I really like that because it's like, One thing that we really talk about in my bootcamp, the data analytics accelerator, is I'm helping a lot of people that don't have traditional backgrounds land data jobs. And yeah, we're not going to have the the two years experience, for instance, in the role that you mentioned. But what we try to do is we try to come to the table prepared, knowing that we don't have it, knowing they're going to say, you don't have it. But we like to say, well, we do have this. We offer them our portfolio projects. Like, look, you know, we've actually done SQL projects with hospital data. You guys deal with hospital data. Like here's a whole project about how I was thinking through this hospital data and solved it using SQL, which is, I've never really worked with at a real job, but at least I've done this project. So I think, you know, providing some tangible evidence or some like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do can be really impactful when you don't have that experience.
1: No, I mean, I think if you look at my first director job, that was how I got it. I did I literally got my master's in analytics. I was actually in the middle of my program. That was my first time learning SQL. And, but what I did have is I had done a big project for a nonprofit and I was able to use that as an example of how I can help companies use data to drive decision-making. And that was all I had. Like I literally had nothing else. I would not have passed their SQL test. But I had something that was tangible that showed value. And that was ultimately like, that was ultimately what landed me the job. So I think that's exactly it is it, I think your portfolios, you are creating. Those have tremendous value as long as it's tied back to again, value, right? Like what is, how does this translate into potential value you could generate for my company? And, and this is a spoiler alert data has been around for a long time. The irony behind that, though is do you know how many companies and not just like mom and pop companies haven't figured this out? There is a lot of companies that need what you all are trying to do. That's like 100 full stop. So even if you don't see a job posted on LinkedIn, again, as I said earlier, like I networked and I, it's not like I have this strong network of people I know. Like I like figured out through LinkedIn different ways to get up there. I kind of treated it like a sales process, but they need it. And, and I think that's something that's good to know is like there are companies that have very well established data functions, but there's other companies that know they need it. They want it. They just don't know how to actually start and i think that's where even somebody who's early in their data career to provide value pretty quickly is again just if you can learn where those pain points are
0: yeah that's really interesting and this goes back to what you're saying earlier about your background you don't have to know everything about everything right and like you have this little like niche where you're doing you know sales operations and revenue analytics right which is not something that's talked about a lot and you know it really well and like maybe you don't know I don't know, some other part of analytics. Maybe you don't know SQL that well, right? But it, like, it doesn't really matter if you're able to generate value in your part of the world, right? And so even when we have, like, for instance, we have a lot of teachers that go through my program, and you touched on this earlier as well. But if, if you are a teacher, you know, the education world better than me, right? Like, I don't know anything. I mean, now I'm kind of an educator, but like, you get the point. Like, I don't know anything about school systems. I don't really know anything about teaching in a, in a formal classroom. And that's like subject matter expertise that you gained over years that for instance, if you apply to a data analyst job within a school system or within some sort of online learning platform, you're going to bring that expertise to the table and know more about it than me. And if they hire me, you know, I might be a little bit better at analytics than you, but like, it's gonna take me a while to actually figure out all of the domain and subject matter expert that you've been learning for years. So like your past does have value in the data world. It's just sometimes hard to recognize it because we think your SQL skills equals how good of a data analyst you are. And that's partially true maybe, but it's not entirely true.
1: And I think that's exactly it. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there is, you know, if you think about it ultimately, Everybody that starts a job doesn't know everything about that no. job. So you might have the industry experience. You might have the domain knowledge. You might have the technical chops, but there's still something everybody's got to learn. And so when I'm looking at a candidate, I'm taking that into consideration. So for those of you who work in education, for example, there's a company here in Denver. I don't even know what, what it's not a nonprofit, but it's something like a nonprofit called Guild Education. They're like crushing the whole education space right now. That would be a great example of like, you know, you could apply your background and you might not have a ton of experience, but you have passion for the space. And honestly, passion plays a huge role in all this. I've got confidence and passion. Like those two things go inter- interchangeably. You got a passion for the space and you've got domain knowledge. Those are, right those are things that you'd have to learn if you went, you know, somewhere else. And so there, to exactly your point, Avery, there's value in that. And so again, like lean into the areas that you are strong. And again, ultimately it comes back to how is that going to provide value for the company? Yeah. I might need to get better at SQL, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Employer, but I do bring this other areas of, of experience that is going to really be helpful for you that you're not going to have to train me in. You're not going to have to build my confidence in mind.
0: Yeah. Plus like I mean, SQL has been here a long time, SQL's not going away, but other data tools, you know, they come and go and competitors come and they're better products than them. Like, I don't know how long Alteryx has been around, but like, I feel like it's been the last like three years. I've really seen a boom. Right. And who knows three years from now, there might be Dinosaurus Rex. That's a way better platform than Alteryx. Right. Like, and the idea is in your data career, you're never going to stop learning. So the idea that you enjoy learning, that you're passionate about it and you're willing to do it, I think is sometimes the marquee aspect of a good data analyst because you're gonna have to learn five more things in your career, right?
1: No, I would completely agree. I mean, actually I think that's why I chose this space to be honest is I love learning. And I always think about things as like learning curves. And for me, I'm always looking for like the steepest curve. And so when my curve starts to flatten out, that's where I start getting bored and looking for the next challenge. But I think that's the beautiful thing about our industry in and, my and industry, I mean data, like it, it is never-ending learning opportunity. You know, you can learn more about again different perspectives. Do so I, I might know sales data really well, but do I know marketing data? I might know software utilization data, but do I know product? Like, there's just so many different avenues on the data side that I, I don't know. That's what I get super jazzed about when I think about it. Is just it is never-ending learning. And to your point, tools come and go. Excel is probably the the most stable, and SQL is probably right behind that, but you know, outside of those two things, ultimately, like, you know, all of this thing is going to continue, especially with the advent of ChatGPT and, and the whole world that's opened up on the data side. But again, what ultimately like that just is great opportunity for us to continuously learn, which is so exciting.
0: Yeah, it is. It is really fun. I wanted to ask you about that nonprofit project you you did, if you don't mind. Because that's sometimes I get asked, you know, how do I get experience without getting experience, right? And my solution is projects. And, you know, you basically just did a project for a nonprofit. I think nonprofits can be great because they have obviously operational needs and not a whole lot of budget. And so if you can offer to, you know, help them out with something, they usually will take it. That being said, if 40 people ask them, Hey, can we do data analytics from you? It's probably hard for them to manage that. So could you, if you don't mind, speak to like, how did you find this company? Did you know someone? Did you reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah,
1: so I worked with this nonprofit for a number of years as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And so I had a passion for what they were doing. And I saw a need as like just being, you know, being a volunteer in the nonprofit. And so ultimately, like once I saw that need, I again networked my way in. I didn't know, like I knew kind of you could call it lower level yeah. in the nonprofit. And so it was just like, hey, I got this idea. I'd love to just dig into it for you all. I, I don't even, actually, I didn't even charge for that project. Yeah. The project landed me one of the biggest, you know, stepping stones in my career ever. But I didn't charge for it. And ultimately, like what I had what I did still is I, I had to network my way in and essentially pitch them on the idea of like, hey, here's the questions. Cause again, in data, it's always what questions are we trying to answer? You know, what that's ultimately like what we're doing as analysts is what what are the question or questions we're really trying to get to. And so I literally just put together I think a three slide presentation of hey, here's the questions that I think you all would be really helpful if you could answer um, here's the data that would be really helpful for me to be able to help you answer that question. And then here's kind of a rough timeline of how quickly I think I could turn it around. So it showed like, cause a lot of times you work for free, you know, the challenges is like, people are like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to put all this work to gather data for you, which is a lot of work. Let's call it as gathering data is brutal a lot of times. And so I wanted to show to them, like I was committed to actually executing and delivering and ultimately like Our ability to execute. I mean, if you ask me, like, what's the number one thing in my career is my ability to execute. That's why people hire me is because I'm really good at like executing. But that's ultimately what it is. That was how I mapped it out. And I literally pitched it to them. And they're like, you're right. That is a huge pain point for us. Man, if you could. And and all I asked, I said, all I ask out of this is at the end of it is you let me use this as a case study Mm. as I'm going to look for another job. And if you like what you see, maybe, you know, maybe you hire me for some other consulting work, which I actually got some consulting work out of it later on. That was the intent. Like that was how I did the whole thing. And it was a lot of fun. It was a good learning opportunity. And I actually found stuff like that was the, you know, the tough thing in data too, sometimes is like, sometimes you just don't find stuff. Yeah, like, sometimes data is the data's not telling you anything and, and there's something there, right? It actually confirms maybe what they had thought and there is actually value in not finding anything. Uh, But sometimes that's a little unnerving for those of us on the data side of like, oh man, I just spent 40 hours on this and I didn't find anything. Again, there's value in that. It just maybe confirms what we already knew, which allows us to make more confident decisions than we were before.
0: I really like that because a lot of people will try to do nonprofit work, but they kind of want, well, first off, they like kind of limit their search to you know, data, pro- Googling data projects for nonprofits. And I think that there's high competition there. I like that you did an in-person, like you knew the people. I think that plays a really big role. You're gonna get a higher quality of project and probably a higher chance of actually landing the project by knowing the people. And I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think everyone knows one person that works at a nonprofit at least. Right? Like my sister-in-law, she works at a nonprofit. I mean, she knows that I do data, but if I would have gone to her and been like, Hey, I want to do a data project for your company. She would have jumped at it because they have no employees basically. So like, I think that's really impactful. And then it, like you said, it was a huge jump start to your career. And ultimately like, that's a really good consulting project. And you do consulting now. We didn't really mention that earlier, but you do data consulting on the side. Like, that was a big play. So even though it took a lot of work at the beginning, it was probably worth it for you big time in the career.
1: Oh yeah. ROI on that is, is more than paid for So, I mean, ultimately again, it, it was what allowed me to overcome the lack of technical experience. Was that, I mean, that was it. Like, you know, when it came down to it, it was like, Jesse, we really like what you have to say. We think you could really help our company and we have one concern. Here's the concern. And I was able to be like, here, let me address your concern. Let me show you the type of value I can provide and, I mean, I got a call, it was like the next day from the company, like you're hired. This was awesome. Like, yes, please come do this for us. So um, again, it it cost me a fair amount of time. And, but I mean, the, yeah, the ROI back when it was probably one of the more impactful things I've done in my career. And honestly, it was a lot of fun. Ultimately, like I love what I get to do. I'm probably one of those weird geeks that actually really enjoys what we get to do day in and day out. I mean, I love solving problems, so. For me it, it wasn't necessarily work it was more of a fun project to learn something about an area that i was passionate about but yeah i mean it, so the translation is pretty awesome
0: yeah that actually really resonated with me because you know i get about five linkedin messages a day hey avery a lot of the times they call me madame i don't know why but they'll call me they'll say like hey avery sir slash madame like this is who i am do you want to hire me and i'm like you should check out my company. I don't really hire people really, but you know, I get a lot of these messages and what I think if someone came to me and said, Hey, Avery, you know, I listened, a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast. So do it, I guess if you want to do it, but don't a hundred million people come spam me. But if you said, Hey, Avery, like, Mm -hmm. I love the podcast. I'm a fan of your podcast. Like I've actually, you know, I've done some research on podcast analytics and I realized like, you know, it's really hard for you to rank your episode views or your retention on each episode. That must be a big problem. Like, I think I could help solve it. Like, would you mind like giving me access to your data to like, so I could create a retention dashboard for you or something? Like if you came to me and presented a problem, not only would I, well, at first I'd probably be like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't know if I can pay you, but I, you, you can say that you're a data analyst for my company. I'll, if you need a reference, I'll be a reference. Right. But honestly, if you do a good job, there's a chance that I would pay you or like, in fact, an. Not someone looking for a job, but someone looking for a side hustle was like, hey, I want to do podcast analytics. And like, I almost paid that person, right? I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. Sure, we'll do it. So I think when you come with the solution, I think that's really p- powerful because like you said, especially now when you're so busy, your thinking time is valuable and thinking of a project for someone else to solve is kind of exhausting. But if they come to you, hey, this is a problem you're probably facing. Am I right? This is how I think I could solve it. Do you have data? That's a different proposition to, to try to solve.
1: It is, and it demonstrates a level of, again, of value, right? And ultimately, it's, hey, I'm bringing some, they're bringing something to the table versus just asking me for my time. Because ultimately, time is the thing I think that everybody has to fully understand. Like, that's our most valuable asset. And, and it doesn't change necessarily the, the more you know, I would say I'm just more aware of it today than I was, you know, five years ago. But yeah, it's a way to, it's a great, it's exactly it. How do you cut through the noise and stand out? And I think you're right. Like, it's it, it, it demonstrates a level of, of knowledge of, of pain that I'm feeling and, and potentially value that you can bring. And to your point, whether you're getting paid for or not, there's a lot of other value that comes out of things, whether it's to your point or a, a referral or a LinkedIn, you know, recommendation, or there's so many different ways or an introduction, you know, all of those things. I got asked this week for an intro and like, I didn't know the person, but you know, if I know, like, I don't, that's my name. I got to put on it. So I think you're right, there's a ton of value you can get out of that. And to your point, cut through the noise.
0: That's awesome. So I think to summarize what, what I've kind of learned from this is. Your technical skills are maybe not as important as you think they are. Your interpersonal skills, your grit, your ability to think, your ability to communicate, your ability to, to sell a story, to talk to someone initially, to make a connection is almost what will what has helped you, and I would add what has helped me, you know, in my career be able to grow and thrive in a way. And so hopefully for all of our listeners, they can take away the same idea and and try to implement that. In their life, Jesse. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you have any final words that you want to say to anyone trying to land a, uh, a data job, or just to reemphasize one of your points?
1: Yeah, no, we can appreciate you having me on. I think the last thing I'll leave you with is all this is love what you do. You get one life, one opportunity. I'm going to give you an Eminem quote there, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, that comes through. You know, your passion for what we get to do, Dana. And day and day, if you really want to be in this space, that comes through, and people pick up on that, and they know that, and so. I think if you follow that, you work really hard, you have that grit, determination. Again, you, like as I said earlier, I, I most of my roles, they weren't published. They weren't there. I worked really hard to get, you know, it looks like overnight success when you look at my resume, but it wasn't. It was a lot of strategic thinking and hard work. And I think that's the thing I would just leave you with is if you're feeling frustrated or like you're just not getting the traction you want, I think, again, you can figure out a way to get there and I think get creative, try different things. and. And I do think that ultimately that's how I've made it in my career. And so hopefully you can find some value
0: there. Awesome. Jesse Morris, everyone. You can check out his information in the show notes down below in the description. And Jesse, thanks so much for being on the pod.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: All right, pretty awesome episode, huh? Thanks, Jesse, again for being on the podcast. And I hope you guys as listeners can take away some of the things that I took away from our conversation, like what it actually means to be a good data analyst. Canada, it's not necessarily your tech skills, but do you have the passion? Do you have the grit? Do you have the storytelling? Are you able to communicate effectively? Do you have some sort of experience from a different background that can make you a strong candidate? I hope that inspires you and makes you excited to break into the data analytics field because it means that you can do it. And I really believe that you guys can do this data journey. I'm here to help you as well. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. And if you want to continue learning from me, I have three links in the show notes down below. You can check out my email list where I send a newsletter once a week explain different things about becoming a data analyst. You can check out my free webinar that I do where I teach you how to land your first data job in 90 days, kind of give you the SPN method, the backbone that really helps my students land jobs. And then of course, we have the Data Analytics Accelerator, which is the best program to become a data analyst. You can check out all three of those links in the show notes down below. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll see you in the next one.